0: European Heart Journal Issue at a Glance Volume 37 Issue 7 Focus Issue on Arrhythmias by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Luscher Managing Arrhythmias Diagnosis and Modern Treatment Arrhythmias are one of the most common symptoms of heart disease and are associated with considerable morbidity such as stroke and mortality. Fortunately, With the introduction of ablation techniques and device therapy, their management has considerably improved over the last two decades, and again more recently. Thus, the Year in Cardiology 2015 Arrhythmias and Device Therapy by Gerhard Hendrix from the University Leipzig in Germany is a timely review of the most important and clinically relevant recent developments in arrhythmias and invasive electrophysiology, and new devices in particular. ventricular tachycardias are the most feared arrhythmias. Hugh Calkins from the John Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore, USA, discusses in more depth the role of catheter ablation in the management of ventricular tachycardia. As he points out, the treatment strategy for ventricular tachycardia must be guided by patient symptoms, the risk of sudden death, and the underlying cardiac structure. Over the last decades, Catheter ablation has emerged as the primary treatment of idiopathic ventricular tachycardia and has become an important management strategy in reducing ventricular tachycardia burden in patients with structural heart disease and an implanted device. The most common arrhythmia is probably atrial fibrillation, which increases in frequency with age and particularly in those with hypertension and or heart failure. Also here, catheter ablation has become a valuable treatment option. However, a significant number of patients have recurrences after catheter ablation, which could be due to irritability in the left atrium caused by the ablation procedure. In the fast-track efficacy of antiarrhythmic drugs, short-term use after catheter ablation for atrial fibrillation, EAST-AF trial, Satoshi Shizuta and colleagues from the Kyoto University Graduate School of Medicine in Japan sought to evaluate whether 90 days of use of an antiarrhythmic drug following AF ablation could reduce the incidence of early recurrence and thereby promote reverse remodeling of the left atrium, leading to improved long-term clinical outcomes. In what is the largest trial so far, a total of 2,038 patients who had undergone radiofrequency catheter ablation for paroxysmal, persistent or long-lasting atrial fibrillation were randomised to either 90 days' use of Vaughan-Williams Class I or three antiarrhythmic drugs, or not. The primary endpoint was recurrent atrial tachyarrhythmias lasting for more than 30 seconds, or those requiring repeat ablation, hospital admission, or usage of class 1 or 3 antiarrhythmic drug at one year. At 90 days, patients on antiarrhythmic drugs had significantly less recurrent atrial tachyarrhythmias compared to controls, with a hazard ratio of 0.84, but not at one year. The authors conclude that short-term use of antiarrhythmic drug for 90 days following ablation of atrial fibrillation Reduce recurrent atrial tachyarrhythmias during the treatment period, but it did not improve clinical outcomes later on. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Lewis R. Scott from the Mayo Clinic in Arizona, USA. Congenital heart defects, CHDs, affect around 1% of newborn children. Today, most of them undergo corrective or palliative surgery, and can survive into adulthood, thanks also to improved long-term care. However, they are prone to arrhythmias and sudden death. The fear of sudden death has led to restrictions of physical activity and competitive sports. In their paper, Sudden Unexpected Death in Children with Congenital Heart Defects, Jarla Jortvit and colleagues from the Säulandert Hospital Arendal in Norway investigated if the rate of sudden deaths in children with congenital heart defects were related to cardiac disease comorbidities and or physical activity to that end they analyzed data of 943871 live births in norway from 1994 to 2009 among 11272 children with congenital heart defects the authors identified 19 or 0.2% who experienced sudden deaths. A cardiac cause of death was identified in seven of these cases. None of the children died during physical activity, but two survived cardiac arrest during sports. The authors conclude that sudden death is infrequent in children with congenital heart defects who survive two years of age. Comorbidity was common among children who died. Physical activity is rarely associated with sudden death challenging certain recommendations for such patients. The manuscript is accompanied by a thoughtful editorial by Gerhard Paul Diller from the University Hospital Münster in Germany. The ECG remains the most important tool in the diagnosis of arrhythmias. Until recently, the inferolateral early repolarization syndrome possibly included patients with Brigada-like ECG recorded only in the high intercostal spaces. In their paper, Significance of Electrocardiogram Recording in High Intercostal Spaces in Patients with Early Repolarization Syndrome, Shiro Kamakura and colleagues from the National Cerebral and Cardiovascular Centre investigated ECG recordings in the second to fourth intercostal spaces in 56 patients with early repolarization syndrome and spontaneous ventricular fibrillation not linked to structural heart disease. They underwent drug provocation by sodium channel blockade. 18 patients with type 1 Brugada-like ECG were excluded. 38 patients were classified into four groups. A. Those with early repolarization and type 1 Brugada-like ECG only in high intercostal spaces. B. Early Repolarization Syndrome with non-Type 1 Brugada-like ECG only in high intercostal spaces. C. Early Repolarization Syndrome with non-Type 1 Brugada-like ECG in the standard ECG. And D. Early Repolarization Syndrome only, spontaneously or after drug testing. During almost 10 years of follow-up, the rate of ventricular fibrillation, including electrical storm, was significantly higher in groups A... 67%, B, 80%, and C, 50%, then in group D, 11%. Thus, in about a third of patients with early repolarization syndrome who showed a Brugada-like ECG in the high intercostal spaces, ventricular fibrillation recurred, specifically in those with Brugada-like ECG, in any precordial lead, including high intercostal spaces. Such patients comprised about half of the entire early repolarization cohort. The manuscript is accompanied by a critical editorial by Josep Bregada from the Hospital Clinic of Barcelona in Spain. An important risk factor of ventricular arrhythmias is a long or short QT interval in the ECG. In their basic science paper, Estradiol regulates human QT interval acceleration of cardiac repolarization by enhanced KCNH2 membrane trafficking. Lars Anakin from the Universitätsklinikum Erlangen in Germany assessed the relationship between QTC duration and gonadal hormones as well as the underlying mechanisms. They measured hormone levels and QTC intervals in women during clomiphene stimulation for infertility and those before, during and after pregnancy. Three heterozygous LQT2 patients with the KCNH2P-ARG752-PRO missense mutation and unaffected family members were studied during their menstrual cycles. High estradiol levels but neither progesterone nor the estradiol/progesterone ratio inversely correlated with QTC consistent with clinical data in vitro estradiol stimulation enhanced ikcnh2 via estradiol receptor alpha dependent promotion of kcnh2 channel trafficking of note the heat shock protein 90 inhibitor geldanamycin abolished estradiol induced increase in ikcnh2 currents but had no effect on KCNH2 transcription, translation, or the expression of estradiol receptors and chaperones. Estradiol enhanced the physical interaction of KCNH2 channel subunits with heat shock proteins and augmented ion channel trafficking to the membrane. The authors conclude that elevated estradiol levels were associated with shorter QTC intervals in healthy women and female LQT2 patients. Estradiol acts on KCNH2 channels via enhanced estradiol receptor alpha-mediated heat shock protein 90 interaction, augments membrane trafficking, and thereby increases repolarizing current. These results provide mechanistic insights into hormonal control of human ventricular repolarization and open novel therapeutic avenues, as critically discussed in an editorial by Katja E. Odening from the Heart Center, University of Freiburg, Germany. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will find the interest of its readers.